You're listening to an encore episode of 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms. And an encore is when I go back into the archives and pull an episode that aired a long time ago that many of you newer listeners may not have heard. And those of you older listeners have probably forgotten about, (laughs) but I feel like these episodes are worth listening to again. For those of you who follow me on Instagram, you know that I've had a rough couple of weeks. I had yet another kidney stone surgery and have been recovering from that. And this is my fourth kidney stone surgery in about 18 months. So I'm working with doctors to figure that out, and I'm really trying to give myself grace during this time, and so that is why I am not airing a new episode this week. But I think this episode will be really useful. It is about how to help your kids not lose their minds this holiday season. I aired it last year after Thanksgiving, and I decided that this year I would air it before Thanksgiving because many of you are probably heading out on trips or you're going to have family in town and it really kicks off heading into the Christmas season which we all know can be super crazy. So I hope that this gives you some ideas for how to handle these holidays that are coming up in a way that will help your kids stay calm and regulated and not get overstimulated. Oh and one more thing, this was originally the ninth episode of the podcast. I was still very new at figuring out all of the equipment when I recorded this, and you can tell there's some weird sound stuff going on. So forgive the weird sound stuff, and let's all just use it as an opportunity to reflect back and see how far 3 and 30 has come in the last year. It's pretty awesome that now I actually know how to use my sound equipment correctly for podcasting. Regardless, the content is great. I hope that it will really help you this holiday season with your kids. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode that I know you're going to love. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. A few weeks ago during Thanksgiving, I watched my kids enjoying all the glory that is a long weekend at grandma's house. They played endlessly with their cousins. They raided the freezer and helped themselves to ice cream sandwich after ice cream sandwich. And they stayed up late watching movies and playing some more. My husband and I were tired, so we were grateful for them to just be distracted, and we allowed them to revel in the chaos while we talked with family and stayed up too late ourselves, kind of ignoring our responsibilities as parents for a couple of days. For a few days over a long weekend, the scenario is probably fine. We were all just enjoying each other and the relaxation of the holidays. But when it goes on too long or gets too out of control... I think most of us as parents have seen the kind of behavior that it can lead to within our kids. They're hyped up on sugar, they're exhausted, they're overstimulated, and they're missing connection to their parents. And soon enough, tantrums and crying fits and all sorts of ugliness can follow. In the book Simplicity Parenting by Kim John Payne, he describes this type of behavior as a soul fever, 
And on the podcast today, we have an expert guest who's going to tell us more about that and how to protect our kids from developing a soul fever this holiday season. Carrie Thomas Scott has a master's degree in counseling psychology, and she's been in private practice for 14 years, working with children, adolescents, adults, and couples. She has many areas of expertise within professional counseling, and in the past five years, she's become especially passionate about mindful parenting and simplicity parenting. She's worked closely with Kim Payne, the author of the book and the founder of the Simplicity Parenting Movement, to develop family life coach trainings and workshops for parents who want to learn how to bring simplicity and connection to their homes. My husband and I are lucky that Carrie actually lives in our town, and so we were honored to attend one of her four-week workshops in person this past fall, one night a week, and we learned so much about parenting our strong-willed little kids. I knew that I needed to have her on the podcast to share some of her wisdom with all of you, and I'm so grateful that she agreed to take some of her valuable time away from her clients to talk with me. So with no further ado, here's my interview with Carrie Thomas-Scott. Hi, Carrie. Hi, Rachel. It's really nice to be here today. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And today we're going to be talking about soul fevers and how to avoid them. And I know you've worked very closely with Kim John Payne, who's the author of Simplicity Parenting, and the term soul fever comes from his book. So I was wondering if you could explain a bit more as we get started about what is a soul fever and how is it similar to like a physical fever? Yes. I'm happy to. Well, and you did a lovely job with your introduction. You know, I think as you described in the holidays, but any time of the year when our children are feeling overstressed or overwhelmed or disoriented in any way, often that comes out in their behavior, either defiant behavior or sullen behavior, or they're just not being compliant. And Oftentimes, parents have a a sort of a reaction to a soul fever. They think their child is making life more difficult for them or for their siblings. And what's interesting about a soul fever is it's that it's a signal to parents to really look at how to help the child orient and how to simplify in the child's environment and in the life of the family so that the child can become more balanced again. So, and I love that in the book, um, Kim talks about how you can compare it to a physical fever in a way, like you wouldn't be angry at your child for getting a physical fever. Um, You would just draw them close and take care of them. But we do get angry with our kids when they have soul fevers and we're like, get it together. Why are you acting this way? But if we can, if we can think of it as more of a, a physical or as a like a physical illness and think what can I do to help him or her get better then um, we can be a lot more compassionate yes that's it's a really great point Um, often in our parenting classes we teach a, a strategy called the compassionate response practice and what we're trying to help parents do is exactly that rather create a gesture inside themselves to move towards their child and to embrace their child rather than reject the unpleasant behavior, which often will intensify a soul fever. So we follow the same kinds of um, strategies we would with a 
physical fever where we simplify many areas in order to help that child develop more equilibrium and get centered again. Right. So if they were physically sick, you would cut back on what they were doing and you'd keep them close and give them rest and things like that. And is it a similar approach with the soul fever? Absolutely. And today we're going to be talking more about preventing them from ever happening in the first place, preventing these soul fevers. Um, And I know within Kim's work, he's identified four pillars of simplicity parenting. So for our podcast takeaways today, we're actually going to have four instead of three because there's, there's these four pillars of simplicity parenting. I was wondering if you could go through each one of those pillars, specifically in the context of the holidays, and teach us how we can use each of those pillars of simplicity parenting to protect our kids from getting holiday soul fevers. Yes. Well, the first pillar of simplification is our environment. I know you've been spending a lot of time talking about environment lately, which is wonderful. And specific to the holidays, it tends to be a time that our environments become even more cluttered, either with decorations or additional toys. And so one takeaway for parents is to really be mindful about the environment and about how cluttered the environment may become. And even things like decorations, knowing that you can really simplify there and use the ones that you love and the ones that add beauty rather than a sense of overwhelm or chaos to the environment. And that's the first takeaway. And I love that. I I thought about that this weekend when we were putting up holiday decorations because you'd sent me your takeaways in advance, so I'd seen them. Mm -hmm. And um, I was just thinking about, as I pulled stuff out of the Christmas box, um, what things were actually meaningful and what things maybe I could let go of that weren't that meaningful. And some of my favorite decorations are like the ornaments on our Christmas tree, because growing up, I, um, my, I had grandparents on both sides that gave us an ornament every year. And (laughs) so I have memories of when I got that ornament and why. And as I pulled them out of the box, I was telling my son about the different stories about what (laughs) each ornament meant to me. And I thought, how special. That is a meaningful holiday decoration that I would never want to get rid of, whereas some of these other knickknacks I could probably part with. I love what you're referring to here. You're referring to stories and also connection. And as he continues to see those ornaments over the years, what he'll remember is the stories that you shared with him. And that's meaningful. Absolutely. Right. And I was even thinking, I'm like, sometime I need to write these down, like, as I'm mm-hmm. maybe as I'm boxing up the ornaments, I should just take a few minutes to get out my computer and write down some of these stories. So, um, yeah. and, and what about going along with environment? Um, you, you're right that we've talked quite a bit on the podcast lately about possessions and gifts and toys and things. But um, what are your insights on that about how to simplify? gifts, especially a question that I get a lot from people is, so they want to simplify their environment, but they're not sure how to get grandma and grandpa on board. So grandma and grandpa are giving lots of toys and things. And what suggestions do you have for helping grandma and grandpa um, maybe align with your family culture if you want to simplify things? Yes. 
Um, this is a, a hot question, one that we're often addressing in Simplicity Parenting. And many people find a variety of ways of doing this. For one, parents need to feel comfortable staying close to their values and really letting grandparents know that this is meaningful and important to them in terms of raising their children. And we can help our grandparents if we also give them some guidance. Now, not all grandparents are welcome to the guidance, but remember, if we're staying close to our family values and we're being warm about it, and we're saying, here are a few ideas for the holidays. These are some things that we really need and that would be useful and helpful or meaningful to our family. So sometimes giving them specific items that are needed. Some grandparents feel, feel like that takes all the fun out of it. And so they may need a little allowance with one or two gifts. Uh, yet it's really fine to give grandparents direction. Something else that we often encourage parents to begin to do is enlist grandparents' support with certain experiences or activities. Say you have your child learning a new musical instrument and grandparents can really help foster lessons for music instrument or other activities. Sometimes grandparents also do something with a child, maybe take them on an outing or they bake cookies together or they sing Christmas carols at a, a, a local home for elderly people. So there are experiences that we can cultivate. We can enlist their help for certain skills or, or experiences that we're giving our children. Yeah, I love that. And then what is the second pillar of simplicity parenting? Yes, the second pillar of simplicity parenting, um, I tend to switch these around, so I'll call it scheduling. And in scheduling, it's you know one of the things that we often think about in terms of causing soul fever for children on the holidays and any time of the year is being overscheduled, not having enough downtime to just digest their experiences and be creative in their play. So the second takeaway in terms of scheduling is be sure to protect downtime. And if it's very easy during the holidays to get overscheduled with so many activities and we think, well, that one ballet performance or let's go to this event here. Um, and so just remembering that less is more, especially during the holidays and choosing those events carefully while also protecting valuable downtime at home where kids can just play and be quiet and get re-centered. Mm-hmm. And listen to holiday music by the tree and um, do all those lovely things just at home instead of running around and being out and about. I, and as I thought about that, I thought about sometimes it's hard for me to say no to things that are later in the evening. Um, parties are mm. different things that I, I want to go to, you know? And so, yes. <laughs> and so I drag my kids along, but then I wonder why they're grumpy and they're overstimulated. Well, I kind of set them up for that. So I need yes. to learn to say no, or I need to figure out, get a babysitter or some other way that I can still attend, but they can get the rest that they need. That's right. You actually are talking about now the third 
pillar, um, they kind of go together, don't they? The third pillar is our rhythms in family life. And for especially for young children, it's extremely important that they do still have you know, as close to their bedtime rhythms and waking rhythms, e- eating mealtime rhythms. So eating at about the same time, going to bed at about the same time, still having a story at bed, those things that families do on a more regular basis, keeping things rhythmical as, as much as you can will help to reduce or prevent a soul fever. Yeah. And I've thought about that because we always travel for the holidays because both of our, um, our families are, do not live in the same town with us. And, um, luckily my husband's family is just a couple hours away, but my family is in a different state. So we are traveling for holidays and that it's really easy to get out of rhythms when you're traveling. Um, and so I've thought about what can I do to continue rhythms even when we're not in our own home? And, um, one thing that I've noticed is that my kids usually after lunchtime will do an hour long quiet time when we're at home and they just play independently and quietly. And I honestly think it's just as good for them as it is for me to have that time. Um, and when I continue to do that, even when we're on vacation, which can be hard to say, no, you're not going to play with your cousins. You're going to take a little break, but that's when they're right. when they're playing with their cousins from seven a.m. till eight p.m., yeah. that is, I mean, <laughs> that's a lot, and they're gonna fight, and they're gonna. It's like just they need a little break. So, continuing yes. that rhythm of quiet time has been really helpful for my kids when we're traveling. That's really wonderful, and I think sometimes it's just that, Rachel. It's it's us as parents realizing that this is very valuable. We're not trying to be difficult or withhold time from cousins. We're just trying to make everything um, go more smoothly. And when we just get clearer and calmer about that and we just stand firm on that's what's best and right for us right now, um, it often works out just fine. Right. And that's what's best and right for them, that we're we're taking care of them, you know, that that's we're not right. being mean or defiant or obstinate in our routine when we say, no, they can't stay up that late and do this thing. It's really just taking care of and protecting them. We can also say to grandparents or whomever, we can say, because we care about having really beautiful connection, because we care about things going as smoothly as possible, these are things that we know are going to set our children up and all of us up for success. And so when we're holding those boundaries with family members, we're letting them know it's because we love them and we want our time together to be as nourishing and happy as possible. Right. And we want our kids to actually be enjoyable for grandma. You know, I often yes. think <laughs> I it's too bad that my my family only sees my kids when we're traveling because they're not, my kids aren't at their best. And I wish that they got to see them here at their best. And so if I can preserve some of, if I can protect my kids and help them to be themselves, then their grandparents are going to enjoy them more. Absolutely. And then what is the fourth um, pillar of simplicity parenting and our fourth takeaway? Great. The fourth pillar of simplicity parenting is what we call Um, basically filtering out the adult world. And there are two components, really, and two great things for us to think about during holidays and, and throughout the year. One is 
kids who are exposed to too much adult conversation, especially when it comes to things that are concerning topics or stressful topics, anything that's really more adult-centered, children are like big ears and they tend to really hear everything. So we want to be mindful and thoughtful about what they're hearing so that what they're hearing is really more child-centered. Hearing adult things and worries and concerns will increase their stress. That's part one. And part two is also device and screen time. And so each family has to navigate this based on their own values and what's meaningful and important to them. Uh, and in Simplicity Parenting, we often talk about devices as degrees of distraction and sometimes limiting connection. So again, we just want to be thoughtful and mindful about how much device time children are having and really protect connection and, and meaningful experiences. You mentioned at the very beginning, one of the things that often happens is when we're up late, you know, after dinner visiting with family, we only see a couple times a year. It's really easy to put kids in front of the television, especially in the evening or throughout the day if we're getting things done. And especially at night, that can really interfere with a child's ability to sleep, as well as just be overstimulating or overwhelming. So as you said earlier, how do we find the balance with that and, and limit that where we can uh, as well? Right. And for me, I think it is often just a matter of not letting myself, like I said in my intro, kind of forget that I'm a parent. I mean, that, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds dramatic. I never forget that I'm a parent, but sometimes when I go home, I kind of slip, slip back into I'm home. I'm kind of a teenager again, you know? And, um, yes. it's like just staying in the mindset of, I'm going to put my kids to bed before I stay up late to play games or I'm going to do, even though it takes a little bit more effort and others may not be doing it in the house, I'm going to still be yes. a parent during this holiday. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. These give, these takeaways are so helpful and I love this book and all of the work that you're doing. And I also failed to mention in the introduction that you are also a mother so that is a huge piece. Yeah. And like you have all of this clinical background and educational background, but you've also lived it. Um, and yes. so we really appreciate you sharing your wisdom with us. Could you um, quickly just recap the four pillars for us before we say goodbye? Yes, I'd love to. And thank you so much. It's a joy to spend the time together. And I really appreciate what you're doing as well and bringing this wisdom to mothers and to family life. It, it's really wonderful. So thank you as well. So the first pillar is environment. And to simplify the environment around the holidays, that first takeaway is to look at your decorations and really choose the ones that are add meaning, they're meaningful, and also add beauty to your home during the holiday season and be aware of clutter and how that can create some stress for children and family life as well. That's the first takeaway. The second takeaway is in our scheduling. Let's be mindful not to overschedule our families and children, even with all the amazing holiday activities and events we can partake in, and protect that downtime for them. Rachel, you, you spoke about that as quiet time after lunch, where we know there is that need for downtime or quiet time. 
let's do our best to protect that for our children and that will reduce holiday soul fever. The third takeaway and pillar is our rhythms. And that is where we keep to the best of our ability our bedtime rhythms, our waking rhythms, our mealtime rhythms. We remember to sing our blessings, the things that we do at home that we know are predictable and consistent. Keeping those rhythms as much as possible will also help our children be more successful through the holidays. And the fourth and final pillar and takeaway for today, since you allowed me to have four, is also on filtering out the adult world and just being aware of how much our children are hearing in terms of adult language and conversation, as well as the amount of device time that they're exposed to during the holidays. Okay, well, great. Thank you. I feel much more um, capable of preventing some of the meltdowns and and having a better holiday season with my kids this year. So thank you again for coming on. Absolutely. Have a wonderful holiday. Well, I hope you found that worth it to throw it back to the beginning of the podcast and re-air that one. I know it's helpful for me to remember that when my kids get really whiny and out of sorts during this time of year, instead of feeling angry and thinking, what is wrong with you? I should just think soul fever and treat them as I would if they had a physical fever. Cut back on the junk food, keep them home from an activity, put them to bed early, whatever it needs to be to help them to start feeling better emotionally. For me, that's perhaps the biggest takeaway of this episode, and I hope that you'll remember it this week as we head into Thanksgiving and then on into Christmas. I have some big, exciting news And that is that I am going to start teaching live workshops. I'm going to be teaching two in Idaho coming up in January. And I can't wait to give you all of the details about that in next week's episode. I absolutely love to teach and even more so in person than on a podcast. And I hope that I can make this a regular thing to be able to teach and be with you and learn from you and with you. So come back next week to hear all of the details about these workshops and speaking events that I'm going to start hosting. And as I said in the intro, we will have a brand new episode next week as well. So have a great week with your family.